we're in a world right now where everything seems permissive. You're the spirit of the age seems to be getting into those things that we would consider to be fundamental Christianity. And then we think to ourselves, is this what the church is supposed to be like? Is this lukewarmness? Well, thank you for tuning in here to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. And you know, one of the ways that we can then resist these influences that are coming on the church is to understand and to know what lukewarmness is. Now, lukewarmness is something that uh, can be tossed around very easily, and people can, you know, just say, oh, that's lukewarmness, that's lukewarmness. But we should see what does the scripture say about lukewarmness. And we're going to be going to Revelations chapter 3, uh, talking about the Laodicean church. And that is uh, starting in verse 14. And it says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, and be, uh, so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment or clothing, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. So here we have uh, this uh, idea of the lukewarm church according to Jesus. So what does Jesus say? Uh, about what lukewarmness is. And that's where we're going to start right now. What is lukewarm Christianity? It almost sounds like the two things go against one another. What is lukewarm Christianity? In the real sense of the word, Christianity cannot be lukewarm. Christianity is supposed to be a red-hot devotion to God. It's supposed to be where all of our powers are devoted to him. So, Jesus speaks about in some of these verses here what lukewarm Christianity is. He said lukewarm Christianity has a lot to do with our works. And if we were to go back and look here, it says that I know thy works in verse 15. Jesus said, I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So I know thy works is what he's saying. And so if we were to look at works, he says that works are either cold or hot. And so it's either that we are for or against the things of God. We're either all in or we're not all in. So there is certain temperature to our devotion toward God. How, With what earnestness and with what passion are we doing things for God? Um, are we I mean, are we? Do we stand out for the things that we do towards God, or are we kind of like one of those milk toast kind of uh, people? And I remember um, going to vote at one time, and this was last year, I think, and it was for more. Uh, maybe it was Senate positions, and I can't remember. Uh, it, it wasn't presidential, and I remember somebody picketing. I say picketing. They were out in the front of the election area, and they're saying you should vote for so and so. 
which would be a candidate that I, I mean, uh, according to their party lines, maybe I would agree with more things too. But I had said to this person, yeah, I don't really know about this guy. I mean, can you tell me a little bit about him? I said, everything I uh, seem to have found about him. He seems kind of milk toast to me. He doesn't. He doesn't seem like he really. He doesn't do a whole lot, but he doesn't really like back up either. He's just kind of there, and I don't want somebody who's just kind of there. I want somebody who's going to do something. So uh, Jesus doesn't want milk toast Christianity. He wants people with a real passion. And a person that's lukewarm, there's somebody that doesn't have that real passion. They're too afraid to fully walk away from Jesus, but they're not wholeheartedly sold out to throw in everything to be his disciples. And so when he's talking about works, it's talking about our earnestness or our passion or, and, and all that. But then what are those works? What are the works that Jesus is talking about? Well, obviously it's the way that you live your life. So I, I mean, one of the things too is like the way you live your life is going to dictate who you serve. You know, if you're if you're doing things that are wicked and against Christianity and against its tenets and call yourself a Christian, those two things don't add up. But if you're lining everything up in your life to the teachings of Jesus Christ, well, then that does speak something to the world around you. Let me ask you this question too. Do you tell others about Jesus and what he's done for you? You know, when there's a new convert and they really, they give their hearts to Jesus. Nobody has to tell them, you know what? Now you need to go and tell everybody else what Jesus did for you. Um, most of the time when people truly have been born again and they've experienced that radical change inside of their hearts, it's just natural for them. That's what they want to do. They want to go and tell other people. They want to say, you know, this happened to me and they're excited about it. They want to tell somebody else. And it's because they have that kind of white hot zeal in their heart. They've got life that's just entered into them. They can't keep that to themselves. So do you tell others about what Jesus has done for you? So that's kind of a lukewarmness. And this is just an overview, really. I want to drill down into all these separate parts in uh, the coming weeks ahead. So we'll probably drill down even deeper into what is lukewarm Christianity and just kind of talking about it more. But right now, just an overview of this thought and idea. So we talked about what is lukewarm Christianity. Now, what is the consequences of lukewarm Christianity? That's something that you and I should figure out. Well, the consequence of lukewarm Christianity is that we really are displeasing God. God is not happy with the temperature of our life. In fact, he said that it's so displeasing to him that he said, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're not either hot or cold, I will just spew you out of my mouth. So that seems like a displeasure. You know, if you're, if you're hot and you're out you know, doing some manual labor and someone gives you just like a, a lukewarm thing of water, you know, you may feel like, man, this isn't as refreshing as what I was hoping for. And Jesus is using that kind of an illustration to say this, you know, your, your life, your Christian life, it's like stagnant water. It just, it's not cold. It's not hot. You know, cold water can feel like it slakes your thirst. Hot water, you could put tea in it and steep something. So there's some value in it. Lukewarm water, what value is there in that? And Christ said he would spew people out of his mouth if they were lukewarm. So that's a consequence of a Christianity. Also, this is really just trying to help us understand that Jesus is going to judge us. He's going to judge us according to our life. He's going to judge us according to our works. And that judgment isn't just our works. It's the judgment of our eternity. Spewing out of the mouth does not sound like, you know, uh, just a, a, us losing our reward. It sounds like, you know, the Lord just kind of 
he, he doesn't want to have anything to do with us anymore. We're, we're that worthless or useless. We, we don't have that white hot zeal. He'll spew us out of our mouth. It's very strong language. So it speaks of a judgment that is eternal. Another consequence of um, lukewarm Christianity is that kind of self-deception. And we can find that inside of uh, the scripture verses here. If we were to look there, uh, he talks about people thinking that they are better off than they really are. If we look down in verse 17, then he says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And then he goes on to say, and knowest thou or knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So there seems to be something of a disconnect here. We have self-deception when we're lukewarm. We think that things are better off than they really are, but Jesus sees otherwise. So here we're told that, you know, you think that you're rich. We think that we have everything that we need. We think we've got everything that we need in this life. We've got everything that, you know, Christ wants to offer us now. I'm just going to live my life. And then we increase with goods, you know, and we've got this prosperity gospel thing that goes on in our culture right now. And it's basically like, you know, if God is pleased with me, he's just going to bless me with all these finances. I'm going to have an awesome car. I'm going to have a really nice house. I'm not going to have any troubles in my life. And you know what? There may be times where God does allow people to have those things. There's nothing inherently wrong with wealth, but this is not a not always a sign that God is pleased with us. And so people could say, well, God's blessing is on my life. I think it was Kenneth Copeland. He said, you know, well, God's blessed me with this money. And uh, so blessing me with this money, I've got this nice house and I got to fly in my private jet. I think Creflo Dollar, he said something to the effect of, if if God wants to bless me, he said, I'm going to believe him for a $65 million jet. And he was like, don't tempt me or something to that effect. It's just foolishness. It's nonsense. But here, the self-deception happens when there's a lukewarmness. We think I'm rich. I've got, I'm increased with goods. I don't have need of anything. Everything's good. Life's great. And yet we can be in such a terrible situation because Jesus in the second half of that verse then tells us what the reality is. And the re reality, he says, is that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. That's what he says in verse 17 here. And so we have that problem to deal with, a wretchedness of sin inside of our lives when we don't really know who we are. We don't really know the capabilities of wickedness in our heart. We think everything's fine and we're not staying close to God. There's a wretchedness that's in us and we're just blind. We don't see it. We're miserable people. You know, we're, it's like, we want more and more and more, and yet it never fills up. It says hell's that way. And, you know, there's a bit of hell inside of the soul when there's a lukewarmness. We're poor. We think we've got everything, but spiritually we're paupers. We've got nothing, you know. we God hasn't, the, the, the note of victory isn't really in our lives. We, we put on a facade, but there's no real spiritual death, depth. Also, we're blind. We think we see, but we really don't see. We're we're walking around as if, you know, we should be an example to follow. And, you know, maybe we've got some great ministry. We've done some great things, but we're blind. We can't even see a step in front of our face. And then he says that we're naked. We're just naked. We're not even clothed with Christ. We're not even clothed with his righteousness. We don't really have that, that note of victory inside of our lives, the note of Christ dwell, dwelling within. So what's what do we do about lukewarm Christianity? Well, there is a remedy. There's a remedy, and Jesus says this starting with here uh, for three things that we found inside of the scripture verses. Let me go there. He says, I counsel thee, 
uh, to buy, verse 18, of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. So here we find Jesus speaking about a remedy for the things that were a problem there before. The poverty, he says, buy the gold tried in the fire. And that gold is the sure tested way of God, God's way, God's power, God's method. He says, you buy that gold. That gold's way better than all the things that some special minister could try to tell you when he's really no minister at all. He said, for your nakedness, I counsel you to buy white clothing, white raiment. And that is really the righteousness of Christ, not only imputed, but imparted to his Get saved through the blood of Christ, he's saying. Get a holy heart and walk in holiness. And without that clothing, we're told that we live in shame. He says, for your blindness, listen uh, to the loving rebukes of God. Get the eye salve on you. And then he says, you know, I stand at that door and knock. I stand at that door and knock uh, because I want you to repent. I want you to have a renewed zeal. Be zealous, repent therefore. And then he says, if we do that, then there's true fellowship with Jesus Christ. He stands at the door and knocks, but we have to let him in. He will dwell within us if we let him. So what's the result then of taking this remedy? We've talked about the lukewarmness, but what about the result? We have a continual overcoming spirit. As you are surrendered and you abide in Jesus Christ, then you have that continual note of victory. And then he tells us that what's going to happen is we will sit on the throne with Christ, ruling and reigning with him here in this life to some capacity, but certainly in the life hereafter. But you know, it all boils down to a personal responsibility because he ends it by saying, he to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. So essentially, if you're listening to God, he's saying you have a personal responsibility. You listen for God's voice and then respond. God's not going to do it for you. He wants to give you the offer. He wants to offer himself to you. And then the way that we get it is through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Listener, if that's you, then repent and do the first works. Buy the gold tried in the fire. Get the white raiment. Go forward with God. Be the overcomer. Abide in him. Repent. He's knocking at the door. He wants to come in. So what will you do? Will you continue to just move along in your lukewarmness and think that it's okay? Or will you walk with God? Until next time, join the resistance. God's resistance. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782. Set up a time where we can meet. We could meet in a coffee shop, anywhere really. It doesn't matter that we can walk together with God. You can get encouragement. You could be a part of groups that are looking at the Bible together and worship with us. And then also we're out on the Wilkes-Barre Public Square and least until the cold gets us out of there every Wednesday at 5 p.m. and every Sunday at 4.30 p.m. And we will look for you there.